Welcome to a special Cage Catch-Up episode of The Complete Works, a.k.a. episode 99 of season one of this podcast. It's a deep dive into the career and films of actor Nicolas Cage. My name is Mike Smith, and joining me to get back in the cage is my friend, co-host, and fellow Cageaholic, Mike Tricio. How are you doing today, Mike? I am doing just great. It's a wonderful day. I can't believe it's episode 99. That's why. Yeah, one one less than 100. Now, we should, we should point out, Nicolas Cage... I don't think has reached the 100 movie mark yet. Like they, we're we're including episodes uh, that include Best of Times, which is the uh, the pilot that he starred in. The, De- the Death of Superman Lives was an episode we did, which is a documentary that he had no involvement with, but it was about him, so we covered it. Right. Uh, and then there was our countdown episode. Plus, I think we're going to be doing History of Swear Words in a couple of weeks. So, uh, yeah, there's <laughs> he does have very close to 100 movies. He's at like 96 or something. Right. Uh, but we're we're a little bit ahead of him in terms of numbering, I guess, as far as the movies go. Yeah. Well, I mean. And that's it's okay. It's complete works. That's the, you know, that's what we're doing. Exactly. We're talking about everything. So next week will be our 100th episode. But for this one, we're now entering the pandemic era of Nicolas Cage. Ooh. Yes. Uh, so as you know, Color Out of Space was one of the last movies we both saw in theaters before uh, it shut down. We talked about that last week. Uh, right. And that was released in January 2020. So the movie we're talking about today was released post COVID-19, at least post COVID-19 in the U.S. Because Color Out of Space, right. like. It was already happening elsewhere in the world. Uh, But yes, in an age where a lot fewer movies were being released due to COVID-19, you want to take a stab at how many Nicolas Cage projects there were, Mike, over the past year? Uh, I would guess five? Uh, Four. Four new Nicolas Cage things got released during the pandemic because he's Nicolas Cage and he never stops working. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but of course, all those would have been in production before yes I I think most of them. I'm not sure about History of Swear Words. That might have been... Oh, yeah. But that also is like Nicolas Cage alone on a soundstage. So that's a different kind of thing. Uh, But yeah, these projects included a long delayed sequel to an animated Cage movie, which we'll talk about next week, uh, a Netflix comedy docuseries, History of Swear Words, like I mentioned, uh, and an action comedy horror in the vein of the video game Five Nights at Freddy's. We're going to be addressing all of those before this mini Cage season finally wraps up. But today we're talking about yet another quick video on demand action movie in which Nicolas Cage showed up to set for three days and took a good. (laughs) chunk of the movie's budget with (laughs) in in true cage fashion exactly uh in fact cage wasn't the first choice to take this role on mike what yes uh it was somebody who has sort of been in the same space as cage though for pretty much the past decade uh bruce willis was originally set to play cage's role in the movie but unfortunately he was too busy he was actually locked into a three movie deal with movie pass uh Remember those guys? What? <laughs> yeah, MoviePass was planning to start uh, producing their own movies back when they were a thing. That uh, makes even less sense than Redbox Pictures, or whatever the <laughs> hell that was called. <laughs> yes, Redbox Entertainment, which is still around and they're still producing movies. Uh, but yeah, MoviePass, I mean, I, I loved my MoviePass back when that was a thing. You know, I, It was a great con for you. It, it was a great con. I, for a glorious like nine or ten months, I swindled <laughs> this yeah. Silicon Valley startup company. Uh, and it actually genuinely did, I think, spur interest in going to the movies again for a lot of people and sort of changed the theatrical industry because now 
all the major chains have their own version of MoviePass. You know, AMC right. has the Stubbs A-list. Regal has whatever the Regal one is. Like Alamo Drafthouse <laughs> has the Drafthouse Pass or whatever. Like everybody has their own different version. But MoviePass worked everywhere, and it was <sighs> unlimited movies, totally free. Man, it was it was a wild time. Twenty seventeen. Up was down. <laughs> cats and dogs living together. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but anyway, when MoviePass was a thing, uh, you know they were really struggling to create any kind of revenue because everybody was abusing it. Uh, and so they were like, <laughs> "We got to produce our own movies to kind of get back in the red on this thing, right? Uh, or get out of the red on this thing." Yeah. Uh, they only released a couple of movies. Uh, I don't think any of the Bruce Willis ones actually got made. Um, <laughs> but I, yeah, they only released a couple, uh, including Gotti with John Travolta was a MoviePass film. Uh, which is, you know, a legendarily bad movie uh, for over the, from the past few years uh, and, you know, makes the rounds on film Twitter every once in a while because it's just such an insane movie. Uh, so yeah, that was a movie pass film. So Bruce Willis had to pass on this role. He had to movie pass on this role uh, <laughs> uh, and Cage jumped in. Uh, and so shooting for this movie took about six weeks. Cage was there to film for three days, the first three days of filming. Uh, oh my God. <laughs> the movie's budget was twenty five million dollars. Five million of that went to Nicolas Cage. Wow. <laughs> yes. They needed that big name. They needed that big name to really, like, you know, make this movie a marketable thing. So Did they? To be determined, Mike. To be ah, determined. Okay. Uh, but that is very much the M.O. for these kinds of movies. It's especially the M.O. for Bruce Willis, who has mostly been making these kind of movies shot in foreign countries like Bulgaria for the past, you know, 10 years. Uh, you know, yeah. show up for a day or two, sleepwalk through a role. He gets paid a shitload of money for it. <laughs> And, you know, the thing is, Bruce Willis, Nicolas Cage, they're still pretty huge names on the other side of the world and like certain markets. Like, that's why they make these movies, uh, because they sell pretty well on like bootleg DVDs out there or whatever. That's like <laughs> genuinely the, the grift going on here. And so even if the vast majority of people in America never once see these movies, people like Bruce Willis or Nicolas Cage, they get to keep working on them. And Cage has done this a couple of times, although considering how much he's in this movie, I think it's actually kind of surprising they were able to fit all of his scenes in just three days. So today yeah. we're talking about 2020s. Jiu-Jitsu. You know what I don't understand? How the hell are you still alive? Must have been a pretty bad fall. The comet you see in the sky right now passes over the Earth every six years and causes a portal. But when it's open, we get a visitor from a distant galaxy. Poet warrior in the sci-fi sense. The spaceman. He comes here looking for a fight with you. The chosen jujitsu. If he doesn't get it, he stays and he kills everything. That is alien politics 5 through 15. Now you are all the chosen jujitsu fighters. But as long as you die bravely, no one else will have to. He's crazy, like me. There's no honor in killing crazy. I can fly too. 
So, Jiu-Jitsu is a martial arts science fiction movie directed by Dimitri Logothetis, a filmmaker who worked in television for decades uh, before making a name for himself in the video-on-demand action world by helping to reboot the Kickboxer franchise. Uh, wow. So, Kickboxer, if you're not familiar, the Jean-Claude Van Damme movie from 1989. Do you want to guess how many Kickboxer movies there are, Mike? Oh, seven. You are correct. What? <laughs> I this is a Billy Madison. I'm the smartest man alive. <laughs> yes, there are seven <laughs> kickboxer movies. Uh, this guy, Dimitri Lagathidis, he co-wrote the sixth one in the in the franchise, Kickboxer Vengeance, which served as kind of a reboot. That was in 2016. And then he actually directed the next one, Kickboxer Retaliation, uh, which was in 2018. And plans are in place for him to return to direct another one soon, which will be called Kickboxer Armageddon. Uh, you know, one day we'll do a complete works of the kickboxer franchise, Mike. I think that's, that's <laughs> it's, it's the natural kick, next step. What is a pu- kick, kick puncher, punch kicker? What is the thing from community? <laughs> kick puncher. Is kick the, puncher. Well, kick, kick puncher is the first one. Then kick puncher to punch kicker, I think is the second. <laughs> so you're right on both counts. Uh, anyway, Jiu-Jitsu actually brings over a lot of his collaborators from the Kickboxer movies. Uh, his co-writer on those movies, Jim McGrath, uh, also co-writes this one. And the star of his Kickboxer movies, Elaine Moussi, is also the star of Jiu-Jitsu. He plays Jake Barnes, a man with amnesia who discovers he's part of an elite group tasked with protecting the Earth from an alien invader that arrives every six years, like cicadas. Uh, <laughs> That is, that, that is where my mind went as soon as they said that. Nailed it. And, and Nicolas Cage shows up as Wiley, a wacky martial arts mentor uh, that was actually part of the last group that was tasked with protecting the Earth. Uh, from there, you do have a couple of cool names in this movie. Uh, Frank Grillo is part of the team as Harrigan. Uh, he's well known for his roles in the Captain America movies. He plays Crossbones. He's also in the Purge right. movies uh, in the Purge Anarchy. He's awesome in. Uh, and he gives an incredible performance in The Grey, uh, which is where I first noticed him. He's so good in that movie. Also on the team, along with him are Carmen, played by Juju Chan of Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon 2, Sword of Destiny. Uh, that was like the direct-to-Netflix Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon sequel from oh, a few years yeah. ago. Yeah, remember that? Was, remember I, that? I felt like that was kind of a big deal, because that was like before Netflix original movies were like a thing you could depend on, like a new daily one would appear every day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it was like, oh yeah, man. I forgot all that. They're making a sequel to Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon? And then it came out and nobody watched it. Um, <laughs> but uh, Classic Netflix original. Exactly. But she was in that movie, and uh, she's also in the Netflix series Wu Assassins. Uh, and Kyung, played by Tony Ja is uh, in this movie of the Ong back movie. She's also in a few American blockbusters like furious seven. Remember that Fuck one? Yeah, he is. And uh triple X three, the return of Xander cage. Uh, and actually speaking of Vin Diesel movies, there should be a familiar face to Mike Decretio here. Uh, considering that you've watched this movie twice over the last like six months. Mike, do you know, have any idea who I'm talking about? Oh, no. No, I don't. I don't. Who are you talking about? Uh, I actually just rewatched this movie, too. Uh, so that's kind of why I recognized him immediately. But uh, Rick Yoon, who played Johnny Tran, the main oh, bad guy yeah. from the first Fast and Furious movie. That's right. Uh, I, I always recognize him as the guy from Die Another Day. Die Another Day. That's yeah. the one. Yeah, it's it's yep. like one of those two things. But he's in this movie uh, as Captain San, the leader of the army base that takes in Jake. Uh, Marie Avgaropoulos uh, appears as Myra, the soldier interrogating him, who kind of just disappears halfway through the movie. She's from uh, The 100 on CW. She's like one of the main cast members on that show. And finally, Eddie Steeples, who played Darnell the Crab Man on My Name is Earl. Uh, <laughs> He plays Tex, uh, the army's translator, who ends up involved in the final battle of the movie somehow. Not sure how he got there. Uh, <laughs> By hijinks, mostly. Yeah, mostly hijinks. But when you look at the movie, it's like, okay, Myra seems like she's a pretty major character for the first half of this. Maybe she should be involved in the final battle. And then <laughs> yeah. she's not. And Darnell is. 
mm-hmm. <laughs> it's pretty wild. Uh, pretty wild. But yeah, now Jiu-Jitsu was released on November 20th, 2020, which, as you may recall, was during the COVID-19 pandemic. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, the box office in the U.S. been basically decimated for the last year. So as you might imagine, didn't do super well. Uh, it got, it got is it a, like Jurassic Park at number two or something? Uh, no, it's not. There is one re-release in there, uh, and it's the Christmas season. So I'll see if you can guess it in a second. Uh, that's your hint. It's a Christmas movie. Uh, got it, it. it got a VOD release, Jiu-Jitsu, in most countries, including the U.S. And while it did open in some theaters in countries that had managed to kind of handle COVID, still completely tanked over there. Uh, <laughs> on a budget of $25 million, this movie made about 99000 <laughs> Oh, my God. Yeah, it's rough. It's rough. But on the day of its release, it was the eighth most rented movie on Apple TV. So eh, that counts for something, right? Yeah, we'll take that. I think it it pretty swiftly left that top 10, but still pretty cool. Uh, So if you weren't watching Jiu-Jitsu on November 20th, 2020, and you were being pretty reckless and irresponsible, you may have been going to the movies uh, to (laughs) to check out these ones. Uh, If you did, you may have been seeing Freaky uh, that weekend. uh, Oh, yeah. Body swap horror comedy with Vince Vaughn and Catherine Newton, uh, which is delightful. I believe uh, I, I think that was the only new release that weekend, actually. Uh, so, yeah, Freaky came out that weekend. It might have even been second week. I don't know. Time is a construct. Who cares? Uh, yeah. <laughs> but I did watch Freaky, not in the theater. I saw it on video on demand. It was one of the few that I paid like the full 20 bucks for uh, to get like the early access thing. And uh, it's worth it. It's very good. Uh, if you haven't checked it out yet, definitely recommend yeah, hey, uh, write this down, Mike. I haven't seen Freaky yet. Ooh, uh, I, I should write that down. I'm gonna actually, <laughs> I'm gonna stop the podcast now and write it down so that I don't forget because I always do. Uh, and Live you, on podcast. You know what? It, what you know, you know what happened the other day, Mike. Uh, the what? other day, I was watching something and it came back to me the movie that I wanted no. to make you watch for Mike makes Mike watch, and I was like, oh, great, I can remember it now. And then I didn't write it down and I forgot it again. <laughs> You absolute goon. How could you do that to yourself? I hate myself. Now, let's see. Freaky is the movie. All right. I'm writing it down. Uh, Also in the top 10 that week were The War with Grandpa with Robert De Niro. Uh, Mm -hmm. Let Him Go. Come Play. Honest Thief with Liam Neeson. Tenet in its uh, uh, 12th week at the box office. Just kind of hanging around. Uh, There's no other movies, so it's still there. (laughs) Also that. Uh, Movies called Vanguard, The Last Vermeer, and Stay Night, Heaven's Feel 3, Spring Song. I think that's an anime thing. Uh, And there was one re-release of a Christmas movie that cracked the top 10. Mikey, do you have a guess what it is? Um, (laughs) I can't even remember what my fake answer would be. Uh, I was trying to remember (laughs) that Nicolas Cage movie. Christmas Carol the movie? No, with Dana Carvey and Trapped in Paradise. (laughs) Trapped in Paradise. Uh, that's my answer. It would Trapped be incredible Paradise. if they re-released Trapped in Paradise during COVID and it just was number one in the box office. <laughs> Smash hit. Break out. Smash hit of the season. No, uh, the Santa Claus was the, uh, ah. the re-release that weekend. And also, I should point out, when you get to like the bottom of this list, these movies are making like $200,000. Like they're, they're not making wow. a lot of money. I think number one was freaky and it was making like $2 million. So it was, again, the box office for the last year has been insane uh but all right jujitsu didn't even crack a hundred thousand that's also true in its entire run that was its entire run yeah uh the imdb plot synopsis for jujitsu reads every six years an ancient order of jujitsu fighters joins forces to battle a vicious race of alien invaders but when a celebrated war hero goes down in defeat the fate of the planet and mankind hangs in the balance uh so mike you had several friends uh, <laughs> separately text you about this movie before you got to watch it. Like, before we watched this, 
Yeah. Yeah. They, they didn't like coordinate some kind of like attack on your phone or whatever. Like they independently yep. texted you and being like, hey, have you watched jujitsu yet for the cage podcast? Uh, and you were like, no. And they were like, who boy? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Multiple people, a couple tweets, uh, some friends, I think in, in some of the promo tweets uh, for the previous episodes we've done in this rewatch, somebody, a couple of people have been like, oh, did you get to jujitsu yet? It's like, no. And they're like, well, good luck. <laughs> so that's the bar I was working with. Yeah, you know? exactly. So uh, jujitsu, we watched it this past weekend, Mike. Earlier today, you uh, went out for one of the first times in a long time yes. uh, post-vaccination and you uh, had a couple of drinks and yep. you're drinking one gonna right now. <laughs> going to have a sip right now of a beer. <laughs> uh, so now that you are uh, good and somewhat drunk, what are your overall thoughts on jujitsu? My overall thoughts on jujitsu are that, I mean, I feel like that IMDb plot description, like, sort of gives the movie too much credit, which is unfortunate, because it doesn't quite live up to any of those cool sounding concepts. (laughs) Um, It it doesn't really establish anything as far as, like, the world uh, until kind of late into the movie. Yeah. Or later into the movie, which, you know, ever since you pointed out, I forget, was it score to settle? I don't know. I don't think it was actually. You pointed out that Rick and Morty bit where it's like, why don't we start where the thing begins? (laughs) The story, you know, three weeks earlier. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Uh, And this movie doesn't quite do that. Yeah. But it does start with like a, you know, like the main character doesn't remember, has amnesia of what happened. And then he has to discover what the beginning of the movie was later on kind of thing. Right. Or the prologue, really. And I don't know. I don't know what it is about this movie that doesn't quite work. Because, like, you, you texted me that it's, like, Predator with science... Well, it is science fiction Predator. Martial Pre- arts predator, predator with martial arts is what I said. Yeah. yeah. That's what it was. Yeah. Martial arts Predator, which on paper sounds pretty dope. And I don't really know what it was about this movie in particular. I think it was the fights look cool, but there's no impact i think i think it really weirdly comes down to audio editing uh where like every punch is just like a whoosh like there's just like the there's no like thud noise so when they're just having big fist fights it's just dudes waving at each other uh and then one guy flails away and falls down and then that's it which seems weird but like for a martial arts movie that's the whole movie <laughs> is, right is that all the cool shit is is big fist fights and awesome martial arts stuff you know tony ja great is awesome all of his like the physical stuff that's actually happening on screen looks amazing it's filmed pretty cool although some of the weird gopro stuff we'll get into (laughs) was kind of a stretch but there's just no actual like impact to any of the fights uh and even even the scenes that are like shootouts where it's people running through the forest and this alien dude is shooting like whatever like blade things at them like crow yep. blades or whatever um basically batarangs at i everyone. believe is what i wrote down batarangs. In, my, yeah. in my notes <laughs> batarangs is even a better description shooting batarangs at everybody it just made me think of birdemic where it's like these are very clearly just post effect like these guys are just running around in the forest not reacting to anything as cgi batarangs get added in frame uh you know what i mean and it's just like ah. Nothing, nothing feels impactful or real. There's kind of no real danger that I felt while watching it um, throughout anything, which is unfortunate. You know, not that I necessarily need like gritty Snyderverse action, uh, but it just felt kind of silly. If anybody uh, doesn't throughout. need Snyderverse action, I feel like it's you, Mike. It's me. Uh, correct. <laughs> and we've already done. We've finished our Snyder cut discussions, but right. Uh, we'll uh, never <laughs> mention Zack Snyder's Justice League again, starting right now. <laughs> Right now. Correct. <laughs> Although um, uh, earlier reviews for Army of the Dead seem really positive. I'm very excited about that. Good. I'm glad. That's, throwing that out there. That's pretty exciting. So, yeah, that, that's kind of my overall take is that it's just like, uh, I don't know. Like I, I felt like I wanted to like it at some point on some level, but it just felt kind of silly with all the action not really having any impact and 
just kind of like going, taking itself too seriously in some aspects. I don't know. I don't really know exactly how to describe my reaction to a lot of it. Just that I wish the action felt more impactful because it is a martial arts movie and the whole movie is action, you know, which is fine. So yeah, just kind of like swing and a miss, you know, and then it just felt sort of boring because I wasn't engaged with any of the stuff and like it's a martial arts movie. So all of it is fights. And then when the fights aren't fun, just like, meh, whatever, you know? I mean, I can see if the action's not working for you, then the movie's not going to work for you for sure. Uh, yeah, I, th- I think this is probably the widest gulf on a movie that we've had in a while because I, yeah, I had a good time with Jujitsu Man. <laughs> I, I think it's Man. kind of fun. It's a good time. It felt like it kind of scratched the itch that uh, the new Mortal Kombat movie scratched, what? which which we both really liked. We both liked the new Mortal Kombat, which you know I got to see Mortal Kombat in the theater, and it was just like it's goofy and silly, and like it's I, I, to me it felt fully aware of how silly it was. I don't think this is as good as Mortal yeah. Kombat, to be clear. Mortal Kombat's a modern masterpiece. Uh, <laughs> achievement of human art or whatever exactly. what would you, you call uh zach snyder last episode i can't remember uh well no in, in mike and mike never mind in mike it. and mike yeah uh i have yeah. no idea we we talked a lot about mortal kombat in like a recent episode of mike and mike even though we weren't reviewing mortal kombat just because we were like we'd all watched it that weekend and we were like does this rule this, i kind of rules like we we all went into that movie feeling like this is going to suck, right? Like, this, there's no way this, like, it's a Mortal Kombat movie. It's going to be so stupid. And then we all came out of it being like, that was really fun. Uh, yeah. And I don't think Jujutsu is as good as Mortal Kombat. I think this movie does run out of steam towards the end. But I think all, all the action set pieces are really cool. I think the direction is really clean. Like, you can see all the fights really well. And there's some really, I think, nifty and fun camera work. I like that GoPro stuff. Uh, <laughs> we'll talk about that in a bit. But I mean, there's just so, that's cool. Like, to me, like, there's this one moment when they're like escaping the army compound or whatever. Uh, and Tony Ja and Ellen Moussi are like running out there and you have like a POV shot from Ellen Moussi's point of view. And so he's like, you're just seeing him take down people from his perspective. And then he leaves the POV shot, but it's still the same shot. And yeah. it's so weird. And it's like, what, what who's, pro- whose perspective am I looking from now? <laughs> he's gone. And then he rejoins it. He gets kicked he back into back the in. camera <laughs> and it picks back up in the first person. Yes. Weird. I mean, uh, cool. But weird. It's it's insane. But uh, yeah, it, this is essentially Mortal Kombat meets Predator. And like, come on, that's what what else do you need in the motion picture? It's it's also it's a naked ripoff of Predator. Like, it's not even oh. pretending. It's not even pretending that it's something else. Like, it's not even trying to not be a ripoff of Predator. Like, you have that infrared vision perspective that it goes to all the time. It has the same like you know gadgets at its wrist that it shoots at people. Like, it's exactly like Predator. <laughs> yeah, I didn't quite clock it uh, at first because I'm a dubby, but. Then there's a moment where, like, of course, it's camouflaged. Like, they can't see it. It's yes. invisible. Yep, the Predator And then is it invisible. jumps between trees, and I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, that was the thing that I was like, ah, it's just Predator. Yes, like, it, it is exactly, it is just Predator. And in my notes, yeah. like, like, they refer to the monster and the alien or whatever as Brax a couple of times, but, like, I think I wrote it down as Brax once, and the rest of my notes are like, yeah, and so the Predator does this. Like, it's... Yeah. <laughs> It's just a predator without dreadlocks, basically. That's uh, yeah. That's the entire thing. Uh, I do think the main character kind of boring. You know, he's Ugh. he's whatever. And he, when he's tasked with carrying any kind of dramatic weight, you know, not great. But we're not really asking him to do that all that often. I think we're asking him to kick a lot of ass, which he does throughout the movie. He's very good at like the actual physical set pieces of the movie. I think those are really fun. Uh, it is also funny if you uh, look up this movie on Wikipedia because they have a full plot synopsis and it's a five paragraph plot synopsis. The first four paragraphs 
are the first 30 minutes of the movie. <laughs> what? And then the last paragraph is the last 70 minutes of the movie and reads like the writer loses interest and is like, yeah, and then a bunch of shit happens. Whatever. <laughs> <He's>, <laughs> he throws a grenade at him and yada, kicks yada, him in a portal. Though. Who cares? And and honestly, like going through this episode and kind of looking through my notes, like all the big plot stuff happens like in the first half hour, uh, which I think is probably the best part of the movie where it is like him trying to figure out like, what's going on. And like, you know, Tony Josh shows up and he breaks him out of the compound and it's like, all right, yeah. let's go. I don't know where we're going. But all right, here we go. You know, it's doing that kind of stuff. And then uh, Nicolas Cage shows up and I think he brings in like a much needed jolt of energy. He's super weird in this movie. Um, mm-hmm. But what did you think of Nicolas Cage in Jiu Jitsu, Mike? This feels much more in line with the popular conception of direct to VOD Cage 2020 <laughs> action movie kind yeah. of thing, uh, which, you know, compare and contrast it to Call Out of Space from last week. Uh, which is like, you know, the kind of, kind of silly sure. over the top. But Color Space but is it, like a real movie. <laughs> right. For, exactly. Yeah, that's that's full cage And this is the stuff he has to do to fund the cage is yeah. what this feels like. But, you know, I mean, I don't blame him for doing three days of work to get five million dollars. That's pretty that's a pretty good deal. Uh, you know? if, if I had the opportunity, I would do the same. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but yeah, he feels it's very wacky and weird and doesn't quite fit the rest of the movie, although the whole the movie itself is a kind of wacky ripoff thing. Yeah. It's like, whatever, you know, we've done the first person action bit by now. Anything's possible when he shows up and it's it's kind of silly and where I don't know, it's we'll, we'll talk about what it what it compares to. Uh, <laughs> but it was just he's OK. You know, it's fun. Like. I think at this point in the movie when he shows up, because it is kind of late. I don't know if you know the exact timestamp. or you It's know, about whatever. 40 minutes in, I think. Yeah. And we've done the cool, cool air quotes, cool, uh, interesting air quotes, uh, world building stuff with explaining a little bit about when the comet and what this alien thing is. And we've seen some of its abilities. And then he comes in to be like the one and explain what he's what it's all about <laughs> and everything. And he has that big fight scene when he when the main character like enters his lair. Yeah. Um, Falls through the rabbit is, hole. Fall, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and it's pretty fun and wacky because it's Cage being like old man Cage with the bandana on his head or headband or whatever. The katana and shit. Yeah. Uh, and they, they get a cool fight scene, but it just kind of feels very one note as far as his performance and how it relates to all the other jujitsu master people uh, that have to fight this alien. Yeah, I think that's true, but I think he's also just a delight in this movie. I think he's really fun. <laughs> uh, I, I also think the second he shows up, like, I can picture like watching this in a theater and like a packed audience being like, yeah, like, because yeah. it's just a key, you know, the character like uh, Jake like falls down this like hole as he's trying to escape the predator and he like falls down the hole and he lands there. And as he lands, like you see like Nicolas Cage sitting in a chair across from him and he like says something cool and he throws a knife. And like, it's just, it's such a cool like movie star entrance for Nicolas Cage. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's one step below like him stepping out of half shadow. Exactly. <laughs> that like obscures his face, you know, kind of thing. Right. The, uh, the Captain America and in an infinity war, uh, entrance right. kind of thing. Uh, exactly. but yeah, he, he honestly feels to me like, cause he's, you know, I think this movie is a pastiche of a lot of different things. And I think Cage's performance reflects that, uh, because he's a mix of like, you know, just in terms of like his function in the story, he's like Yoda. Um, but mm-hmm. also he's channeling like Dennis Hopper and apocalypse now throughout the movie. Okay. It felt like, you know, he has like, the combination of like the sunglasses, the bandana, the long hair and like his whole worldview uh, as he's like talking to uh, <laughs> Jake in certain scenes. He feels like he's like taking from that performance. Uh, he's also said yeah. that uh, the bandana itself was like a tribute to John Rambo. He was like pr- like doing a Rambo thing. Uh, mm-hmm, so there mm-hmm. was that, too. Uh, he just feels like the wild card of the movie. And I thought that was like a really fun 
uh, thing for him to be in this movie, especially since, considering they only had him for three days. They must have used like all of the footage they had. Yeah, I think this kind of goes into I think we mentioned it probably on the, the director's cut, maybe or episode of Mike and Mike um, or something else we talked about recently. I can't quite put my finger on it, but like the way that your directors, editors, you know, filmmakers can change a main character. Yeah. <laughs> depending on how you edit a movie is pretty, pretty wild. And not that they do that with Cage at, at any point in any way it's definitely jake is the main character but the way that you could very efficiently use what footage you have to change a story is is pretty fascinating and shows if you only had three days of filming and cage is in a pretty substantial part of the last half of this movie yeah absolutely uh i do think uh you know and i I think part of it is also cage is involved in a couple of action scenes in this movie uh and he is the actor who the most feels like okay we got to bring in a stunt double for nicholas cage for these scenes oh yeah big Uh, i mean the long hair helps yes Uh, that's what i'm pretty sure that's why they have him have long hair in this movie so that they could easily hide it uh uh, if there's a stunt double because most of the uh, most of the cast is like actual martial artists or like people who know martial arts and can do a lot of these stunts like alan massey or tony Ja or juju chan uh and there's a couple of like traditional actors in there like frank grillo or like eddie steeples but nobody's telling eddie steeples to do martial arts he's just kind of being wacky uh you know but yeah so cage gets involved in a couple of action scenes and uh those scenes feel like okay now we're doing long shots now we're doing shots from very far away and his hair is whipping all around so you can't see his face yeah lots of flips good thing you know yeah so i think uh you know like we said like it feels like cage is in a really substantial portion of this movie given that he only filmed three days but i would imagine the actual action set pieces probably took a lot longer than that but they were using a stunt double for most of it yeah it's definitely a lot of uh okay now start to flip and then cut uh you know or whatever uh, i don't know how they actually film action scenes with stunt doubles but it seems like that because it's a lot of kind of close-ups he starts to wind up and then cuts a long shot yeah guy with the hair whoosh in front of his face exactly um but all right how do you think this role fits into the roles that we've seen nicholas cage play so far mike you know it's funny i didn't really quite clock the dennis hopper apocalypse now kind of role but i did clock tommy chong in colorado space <laughs> um, <laughs> where it's kind of the same serves the same function yeah. uh, within the narrative of the movie uh the guy that like you know ha- has his finger on the pulse of what's actually going on uh kind of thing with the with the bandana uh kind of just spouting off generic weird wisdom um kind of thing i also noted outcast he serves the same kind of role in outcast of course snake hands who could forget (laughs) yeah no snake hands in this movie but this is that that was the movie that most immediately came to mind for me which you know as soon as it starts i was like oh no i hated outcast like that's my least favorite cage movie ever uh but i think this is a lot better than outcast and but that's also an action movie about a white guy in asia uh or nick (laughs) where Nicolas Cage gets a delayed introduction and plays a sort of mentor figure to the main character, and he's eccentric, and he ultimately dies in battle, and that kind yep. of gives the main character the reason he needs to kill whatever he needs to kill, and all that kind of thing. So yeah, it's, it's genuinely like exactly the same as Outcast, <laughs> yeah. but I think a much better version of the movie. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, yeah. I- I given the choice, I would rewatch Jujitsu before I ever rewatched Outcast. Yeah, well, Jujitsu is so. really goofy, and Outcast is like really boring. <laughs> yeah, know? that's the thing. And then my other one, uh, I have a few more. It's sort of a a backwards inverse score to settle twist where he's not dead the whole time, but it turns out he's the character's dad. <laughs> that was insane. That was absolutely insane. <laughs> <laughs> i think my favorite thing about that twist is it has no impact on the plot whatsoever what yeah last five minutes throw it in there why not <laughs> like the main character yeah. i think partially it's because you know the main character whenever he has to give any kind of emotional performance like the, his reaction to that news is like huh yeah. all right <laughs> and then he uh, kisses the girl and then that's it 
yeah stare into the middle distance uh okay cool uh and then i threw in i just kind of randomly picked like humanity bureau uh just more to more to evoke that era of cage where it feels much more in line with that kind of just forgettable action VOD. Yeah, with a sci-fi kind of bent to it. Uh, like yeah, that one. just yeah. like whatever movie, you know? Yeah, fair. I also did think uh, Cage's performance here, uh, sort of for the same reasons as Outcast, like being the eccentric mentor, kind of reminded me of his role in uh, The Sorcerer's Apprentice from way back oh, in the yeah. day, in 2010. The Fantasia movie. The Fantasia movie. How could we forget? Uh, yeah, with, so... What's his name? Jay... Jay Baruchel. Baruchel? Jay Baruchel, yeah. yeah. I uh, actually watched a little bit of that movie uh, on silent on TNT. Uh <laughs> That will be my new favorite running. Little. Like, no, forget the Sopranos update. I want to know the treadmill update. Yes, like. it took. You know, it took me. I was watching. Uh, cause I, th- I think this was on Mike and Mike go to the movies when we were talking about this. So just yeah. for uh, for anybody who doesn't listen to that podcast, uh, I've been going to the gym lately. Hot Mike twenty twenty one. And uh, that's right. I, I've been going to the gym and running the treadmill. And when I'm on the treadmill, there are a few TVs that are set up and every TV is always playing the same channels. And one of them is always playing TNT, no matter what. Uh, and so I've seen a lot of like mid budget 90s action thrillers on silent recently. Uh, you know, it's all on silent because there's no like headphones. Like I have my iPod and like, listening to podcasts and stuff. Um, but right. I've made it a game where I'm trying to guess what the movie is that I'm like watching on TNT. Sometimes it's like an episode of Bones or something. But like other <laughs> otherwise, <laughs> it's usually a movie. And usually I can guess it pretty quick uh you know it was like man of steel the other day and stuff like that today i was at the gym you know trying to figure out the movie and i was like nicholas holt is in this stanley tucci is in this is that ewan mcgregor and i was trying to figure it out and uh it took me like genuinely almost to the end of my it was like a full 40 minutes and then it clicked this is jack the giant slayer from 2013 <laughs> a movie that i saw in theaters and have no memory <laughs> Wow. And I only That's incredible. I only recognized it because I got to the scene where they're climbing the beanstalk and a giant showed up. Like that was that Okay. Was well it. you got to the title. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I figured it out. But it was just I got to where the title would show up theoretically, but like you know, it's just it's weird because they don't actually show you the titles like, you know, there's like when they come back from commercials, there's no like, hey, you're watching this. Like there's nothing like yeah. that on TNT. So you just like kinda of go back in the movie and it's like, huh. Man, so it's a, it's a fun game. It's a fun game is what I'm saying. Uh, anyway, Amazing. The Sorcerer's Apprentice was on TNT kind of recently, and I saw a bit of it again. <laughs> it's a pretty good I'm movie. Glad. It's pretty good. I like that, that movie. I also wanted to acknowledge this is only the second Nicolas Cage movie to involve aliens. And the last one was <laughs> Color Out of Space? Oh, shit. No, I, uh... <laughs> <laughs> I was like, last episode? Uh, you are right. No, I wasn't even thinking about Color Out of Space. Okay, this is the third Nicolas Cage movie to feature aliens. <laughs> Uh, after Colorado Space and Knowing was the other one. Uh, uh, Knowing was the one I was thinking of. I completely forgot Colorado Space. But is that really aliens or is that a color, Mike? True. I mean, it is technically from space. I guess it is in the title. We'll let it slide. <laughs> uh, all right. So let's run this movie down scene by scene. Let's really talk about jujitsu as Mike takes another sip of his beer. Uh, <laughs> Tell me about the comic book interludes, Mike. Yeah, so this movie starts off with uh, these like kind of cartoony comic book panels, and every time there's like a new chapter of the movie, it like cuts to like a cartoony comic book panel, and it tells you like, oh, this is the memorial, this is the reunion, and the first one starts with the comet, and you see like a cartoon of a comet crashing down on Earth or like passing mm-hmm. by Earth or whatever, and I thought that was kind of cool. Like it set the tone for the movie like immediately, where I was like, okay, this is a cartoon. Like, I, I so, understand that this, this is a cartoon and I'm not going to take this super seriously. And uh, I think it did the job pretty well right there. I think maybe if I had considered that, that would have made sense. Uh, but it start like the the comic book panel thing started. And I was like, this has this is another like production company intro. It's like, okay. this is really involved. What the <laughs> fuck is this? And then the movie starts right after it. And I was like, oh, my God. Yep. <laughs> like, I realized that that was like the prologue, like the title card of the prologue or whatever. 
and i was like ah oh no yeah you don't you don't see i can only think of two other live action movies that do like that kind of thing the comic book panels coming into like the actual scenes and like transitioning into scenes and stuff like that can you do you know what movies those are mike no, I can't. Is it like, oh man, I had one of, I, can't, I forgot it. No, I can't think of one. I was thinking of Ang Lee's Hulk from 2003 uh, did the comic book panels thing. And also uh, the director's cut of the Warriors uh, does that too. Uh, yes. Which is like legendarily like despised, <laughs> I think, yeah. with the Warriors. And I think that's the reason why people are like, eh, it's the actual cut's the way to go. Don't watch the, don't watch the one I think comic I, book panels. <laughs> I just happened to recently rewatch the Warriors like a couple weeks ago. Yeah. And I started that version of it. And I was like, what the fuck is this about Sparta or something? And then I was like, nope. And I backed out and it, the theatrical cut is on HBO Max or was at least. Uh, yeah. So I just watched that instead. So that's probably what I was thinking of. Nice. How was the Warriors? I haven't seen it in a while. Fucking rocks, dude. Nice. The movie's great. Did I rewatched it? it because the guy that plays, I can't remember his name. The guy, the Warriors come out like that dude. Yeah. Is also in Twin Peaks. Right. He's, He's Jerry. A, Jerry's brother or whatever, right? Jerry's horn. Or yeah. Jerry horn. He's one of the horns. Gary Horn. Yeah. And one of my friends, uh, actually art supervisor, Jake Honeycutt, uh, had just finished rewatching Twin Peaks. And I was like, oh, look, it's this guy. And I sent the screenshot. He's like, oh, I've never seen this movie. So I made him watch Warriors with me. Nice. Nice. All right. Yeah. A little mini review of the Warriors from Mike. They did come out to play. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so we have those comic panel intros. The comet is uh, kind of passing through. And we see this guy uh, getting chased down through the woods by this invisible thing. They're shooting batarangs at him. And uh, <laughs> the guy... Uh, falls off of a cliff and into the ocean. Uh, yeah. And it's a, I think it's a kind of a cool transition here where uh, the, you see his falling body and then it fades into the comet falling to Earth. Uh, mm-hmm. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, it's pretty neat. And then uh, it's pretty gnarly, like when he hits the water and hits a rock under the water, yeah. like under the surface. It's like, holy shit, what the, f- like, damn. Right, but he was saved by his jujitsu or whatever. Uh, <laughs> yeah, his, his, ma- his metachlorians, his mana, his... Uh, <laughs> life force yes I, don't know. I do think it's weird how how this movie treats jujitsu um because jujitsu is a real martial art like that's it's a real yeah. thing and this one like cage is explaining to him like oh you were given the jujitsu by like this great magician or whatever uh <laughs> like, yeah and it's like it, like they treat it as if it's like oh this like special supernatural ability that only a few select people can have like they have to be bestowed upon it by like you know this greater higher power um but like you can learn jujitsu like you can just you can just yeah. learn it you can take like you know a $45 class at like the local community center and learn jujitsu. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's not particularly clear. Cause the first time they say that it's sort of like, I, I was like, Oh, that's kind of interesting that like this martial art is non-human or whatever. Like it's holy or it's sort of how I thought they were kind of going. Yeah. But the way they mention it a whole bunch of times and they say that like, you have the jujitsu to ca- like specific characters. Does that mean like they unlocked the ability? Like what do you right. mean? Like you have of- the shining? Like, <laughs> Yeah, it's sort of how they describe it. Yes, uh, and it doesn't really make sense. Yeah, it's super, super weird. Um, but so the guy um, falls down into the water and then a boat shows up and you actually see Nicolas Cage in the boat. Uh, yes. And I wasn't sure if it was Cage at first. He's kind of like it's dark and it's tough to see. Um, yeah, it's obscured. Yeah, yeah, it's obscured, but it is Nicolas Cage and he rescues the guy from the water and he drops him off at this old couple's place and the old couple is like tending to his wounds and you know, he's still knocked out and they're like, we got to take him to, you know, a bigger place, like somewhere that can actually take care of him. Uh, and so the old lady, uh, takes, I'm not a witch. I'm your wife. (laughs) (laughs) Tell me it's not the same. scene. It is the same scene as the princess bride. You're right. Mike. (laughs) 
Uh, but yeah, takes him to an old couple's place, and then the uh, the old lady brings the guy to the army base. They're in Burma, and the army has been like stationed in Burma for decades or something like that. They go there, and the old lady brings him to the base, and you know the guy's like, "Oh, you know, Tex, come out here. We need you to translate something." And the old lady is talking to them, and Tex, who is Darnell from My Name Is Earl, is a really bad yeah. translator, and that's his thing. That's his gimmick. <laughs> That's his whole thing. <laughs> Good thing he makes it to the climax for some reason. <laughs> yeah, he has this like really elongated. It's like a pretty long comedy bit where like every time she says something, he'll say the opposite of that thing. Like he'll as his translation, uh, which yeah. is kind of funny. Like it's it's I think a decently funny thing, but it does wear out its welcome after a, after a, a little bit pretty quickly, I would say. Yeah. Um, but he's a bad translator. But they eventually get to the idea that like uh, she's saying the warrior of death is coming through the hole and he doesn't translate that right, but they take the guy in anyway. Uh, and so the guy wakes up, he's conscious and he can't remember his name. He has amnesia and he's being interrogated by Myra, who should be a major character in this movie, but somehow isn't. Um, yes, correct. <laughs> so she's like the, uh, the army intelligence person and she's like trying to get information out of him. So they're like kind of going back and forth for a little bit. And she's asking him like, where do you come from? What's your name? All that stuff. He has no answers. Uh, then she leaves. And then like some other dudes come in and I believe they're trying to sedate him or like poke him with truth serum or whatever. And then he beats a bunch of people up. Yeah. He sort of has like that kind of, uh, Jason Bourne moment where like, yeah, they start to restrain him and he doesn't know why he's fighting back, like just destroying them. Yes. Like he's kicking their ass, which I liked about like that, that first that half hour cool. when he, that first half hour when like people are just like, Oh, you got to come with us. And like his reflexes just have him do that. But he's like yeah. uh, in his mind, he's like, I don't know why this is happening, but I guess I should do it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But this is unfortunate too. The first part is where he's asked to do like the most acting. <laughs> um, yeah. Cause he's being interrogated and all this stuff. Uh, and this guy is just like a wood, like plank he's nothing um you would think two kickboxer movies would have prepared him for uh, as an yeah. actor <laughs> yeah just because it doesn't quite live up to the kickboxer legacy no i, I don't know. <laughs> um but uh yeah and he's like you know like you said being asked to do some dramatic acting and it's not quite you know up to snuff uh so to say right but yeah and then and then he has this kind of jason Bourne moment where he starts kicking these dudes asses and it's just like it does the the martial arts thing where it's just like for some reason there's nine dudes lined up lined up outside the door waiting to come in <laughs> so like after he kicks those guys asses like two more guys come in and then yep. two more guys and then to, and it, it's pretty cool yeah and they're like slowly getting taller and bigger every each like wave of enemies until he just is wrecking dudes yeah and again the camera is kind of moving along with him too so it's like you know it's very like long unbroken takes where you're just watching him you know do this choreography and like attack these guys and it's really really cool also this one moment where he does a backflip and they show it three times in a row <laughs> yeah because it's fucking dope <laughs> gotta show that sweet ass backflip bro uh and yeah. so he does the backflip and all that stuff and then uh myra does show up and is able to sedate him with the truth serum uh, mm -hmm. you know, she, she like hits him with the shot. And so, you know, he seems like he's about to overpower or like beat her up, but then he, she's able to get him, uh, which again, makes it seem like, Oh, she's going to be a major character in this movie. She's the only one who like stood a chance against this guy. Right. <laughs> you know, it seems like she's going to be a pretty big part of this story. Uh, so she, she sedates him with truth serum, uh, to try to get him to talk. And he still has no idea who he is. Doesn't know what his whole mission is. Um, but he also knows that you don't stand a chance against whatever's out there or whatever is something he says, right? Yeah, sure. Oh, that sounds right. Uh, but yeah, this, this is also, unfortunately, like I said, the, the, like this big fight scene right before that, where he's kicking the waves of dudes asses is where I was like, there's no impact to any of these punches or strikes. Yeah. And I started to get out of the movie even more than I already was at this point. 
And I was like, oh, no. So you're out, um, you're out at fight scene number one, is what you're saying. Yeah, <laughs> unfortunately, yeah. Uh, so it was a rough watch for the rest of the movie. Until, oh, not even really any at any point. Um, but I did, like, right after that, after she kind of interrogates him with the truth serum, and he's like, she, she kind of, like, accepts the fact that, like, okay, he's doesn't remember anything he doesn't know what's going on and then extended tony job fight scene let's yeah. go baby Fuck yeah all right so yeah now comic panel shows us reunion and you see this group of monks walking in and then tony ja breaks off from the pack of monks and he's dressed in all black uh like yeah, all the monks he, he assassins creeded yes exactly the monks are in like maroon and he's in black and he like you know walks off the oh, walks out of there and he just starts coming into the compound and is beating up every soldier in his path he's doing a lot of parkour it's really cool tony ja is very a very good martial artist and he's the, it, yeah he's really cool in this movie uh there's a wilhelm scream at one point when he knocks a guy off a building that was fun <laughs> hilarious it's like a five foot drop and they still managed to get wow! it in it's, yeah. it's great uh yeah so they do all that and then he reaches jake and he grabs him and says we gotta go and jake's like okay and they go out and beat up more dudes <laughs> yeah and that's the gopro footage kicks in yes yeah so as the two of them are escaping the compound uh all this gopro footage starts uh weaving its way into the shots and you're getting point of view shots from i think both tony ja and jake uh, I'm pretty sure, or at least just Jake. Uh, Definitely at least Jake. At least yeah. Jake, because you're also watching Tony Jaa from his perspective, uh, and you're right. seeing Tony Jaa in, like, in front of him just beating dudes up, and it's really, really cool. Every once in a while, you get like reverse point of view shots, so it's like fixed on their faces as they're attacking people uh, and stuff yeah. like that. But for the most part, this whole set piece is done in the style of like hardcore Henry, uh, where it's all just first person point of view. And like I said, at one point, it's like a point of view shot from Jake where he's beating dudes up, and then like, uh, he gets like hit or something and he like emerges from the point of view shot, but the shot never moves. It never cuts away or anything. So you're seeing yeah. it the, the exact same shot, but now Jake is in the shot and it's like, so who's did the cameraman get knocked out or something? Is that what we're supposed to believe? <laughs> yeah, it's kind of cool. It's like a kind of cool camera trick. I'm, yeah. I assume there's a cut somewhere in there, but yeah, like he kind of, I think he sort of gets hit against a wall or something like there's a, a thing, like there's some, I forget exactly what it is, but there's some like geography kind of thing they show you where he ends up where the camera then becomes stationary and he comes out from behind the camera and does a bunch of fights and then gets hit back into the camera and then picks back up in first person again. Yes. Uh, it's like, this is kind of, it's kind of neat, yeah. uh, you know, for this movie. Yeah. <laughs> it's a cool trick. I think, I think it's pretty it cool. Is, yeah. And I, and I do want to say like, you know, with these GoPro shots, I think, you know, having strapping GoPros on actors heads could easily make these fights very incomprehensible. Uh, but they do manage to uh, actually like they still look very cool like the very clean action. And you can st- you can see everything that's going on. Uh, yeah. You know, this is more born identity than born supremacy uh, throughout <laughs> throughout jujitsu, uh, which I appreciated. Uh, so that was cool. And then, you know, uh, they finally escape there. Tony job ja brings him to this group in a field and it turns out his name is Jake. So we have a name and he's we like, got a name. and he's like, okay, I guess my name is Jake. And he meets this group in the field. And like the girl in the group hugs him and he's just kind of like staring there blankly. And it's like, I don't know who any of you people are. <laughs> yeah. And I like that. They all kind of like, yeah, quit pretending you don't remember us, bro. Or whatever. <laughs> There's like a couple minutes where they have to go through that. Yes. Yeah. That's pretty good. Uh, but anyway, they're in the field and it's not long before they get surrounded by more army dudes and they got to start beating those guys up too. <laughs> Well, doesn't the the predator show up first, right? Because there's like a moment where like they're getting zapped and shit, and it's like, or it might be after the army dudes. I don't. I think it's after because the army dudes show up and uh, they all beat up the army dudes. Because I think they're all they're all like in the circle and they're all preparing their weapons and like you know Carmen has like her wrist arrows and. Frank Grillo has like his knife that he likes to throw and all that stuff. Uh, I, I do love a good martial arts like 
crew where it's like, okay, you're the baton guy. Yes. And you're, <laughs> you're the nunchuck, nunchuck dude. Yes. And like all that stuff. It's It worked Love for it. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. It can work for anybody. That's right. <laughs> um, but yeah. So they get surrounded by the army. They start beating them up. Uh, and, you know, there's the wrist arrows. I think Frank Grillo crunches the guy's leg like the other way and stuff yeah. like that, which is really cool. Uh, but Jake gets captured again by the army. Uh, so Correct. that happens. Uh, so basically everything that happened in the last 20 minutes doesn't matter. He gets captured. Again. Yeah, because that woman is going to be a very important character. Right. Because she shows back up again. Myra, the most important character in the movie or so, we think. Uh, yes. And so as we're led to believe. Yeah. So Jake gets captured by the army again. The army takes Jake into the jungle. And this is when the predator shows up. Uh, uh, so you see the uh, the predator vision watching them. <laughs> you have like the yep. infrared camera, and this is where you have like the fixed cameras, like on Jake and on Myra and on Captain Sand and on Tex, and they're all like it's just fixed like on their faces as they're like the Spike re- Lee shot. Yeah, kind of, yeah, it's a Spike Lee shot. <laughs> Almost. Uh, and so they're like reacting to what's going on around them and all that stuff, and then the batarangs start flying. This is a predator with batarangs, people. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this was the scene the most egregious where it was very much because I think it's the fixed point of view at their faces and yeah. stuff where it's like they're very clearly just running in a forest and we're adding the things in after the fact. Yeah. Like nobody's flinching or dodging or anything. They're just running in straight lines. And especially Darnell is like doing his goofy. Uh, well, I know that's not his name in this movie. Right. But, Tex uh, is his name. But yeah, Tex. He, yeah. Somebody's like, uh, Jake's like, oh, they're after me. And Tex is like, it's like, oh, well, I guess we got to get rid of Jake. Bye, Jake. Goodbye. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, you know, running away with his arms waving. Uh, and and there's just batarangs like pew, 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 throughout the whole frame. But he's not reacting to any yes. of them. And uh, this was the scene the most where that is apparent. Yes. It's also the most nakedly ripping off Predator, too. I mean, yeah. you know, throughout the movie, they're ripping off predator no one can deny it's just the predator but you know this is a scene that actually takes place in the jungle and like you said he's jumping through the trees and he's invisible <laughs> like it's, yeah i think it's this just was the, the scene predator. where that happened <laughs> where he jumps between trees and i was like oh <laughs> yeah this is predator using the heat vision and everything i mean it's it's all there the predator jumps down to the ground and sand is there the dude from fast and furious and yeah. he's uh he picks up a machine gun and he starts opening fire and he like shoots the predator like a hundred times and it falls down and then it gets back up and it starts healing itself. And it's like, oh, no, uh, how can we kill it? Uh, and so it seems like the dude from Fast and Furious, Captain Sand, is pretty much dead at this point. The pred- like, I don't think yeah. you actually see the Predator hit him. Maybe you do. Um, I know it definitely cuts the machine gun in half. Yes. Like, because he's he gets up and it's walking towards him and he's like, ah, he's still shooting. And then it like magics a sword into its hand and slices the gun in half. Yep. And I don't remember if you actually see him die or not. Uh, well, you don't the, you don't see him die because he does show up later in the movie. Oh, well, there you go. OK, that's all that problem. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so the predator gets back up and uh, Jake starts running. He likes books. It yeah. gets out of there and then he falls down the rabbit hole. And we should mention at this point, Myra's gone. Myra is no right, longer in the movie. <laughs> the writers forgot she existed. Yeah. And I I don't think she has like any kind of death scene or anything. Like there's no moment where you you see what happens to Myra. She's just gone she's not in the movie anymore (laughs) her people need her exactly uh and so jake is running he falls down the rabbit hole and who is there but nicholas cage of course i mean naturally and so nicholas cage is like he falls down nicholas cage in like the chair across the room and he throws a knife as soon as he gets up and then the two of them fight they have like a big like you know cool martial arts fight scene uh and cage is being wacky and weird and you know at one point jake jumps on his piano and cage is like get off my piano cage is like talking about newspaper hats and how he has like a bunch he's like getting really good at making newspaper hats and he like puts one on his head as they keep fighting (laughs) it's a craft um (laughs) yes 
Yeah, it made me think of, was that score to settle that he learned uh, to play piano for? I think it was. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Because there's the one scene in the score to settle where he's playing piano at the bar. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah, uh, it made me think of that. That's all. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Uh, yes, Cage, Cage has a piano in this movie and he has a newspaper hat and they're having a big fight scene. And at one point, Jake like flips Cage through a table or he flips Cage a stunt double through, <laughs> through yep, a table. Yep. And so, yeah, they have this fight. But then the, the group shows up, the group that uh, they met before that Jake didn't recognize still doesn't recognize them but they're there and they're like okay jake we gotta go this is serious now and so cage and the guy uh, cage and jake they go with the group and cage is talking in like you know grand philosophical terms he's talking about oh you know the poet warrior in the sci-fi sense uh, the guy who gave you the jujitsu all that kind of stuff just just rattling off mystical bullshit basically basically well i mean it kind of fits though with you know cage's name cage is from marvel like luke cage right like, it sure. fits sort of the cage oeuvre, milieu, uh, <laughs> of of uh, what what his kind of persona has become, uh, what, what exactly. he's sort of doing in this part of the movie. Yes, I think he fits this role really well. I think he's very fun, like I said. Uh, and so they start to explain what exactly is going on here. And they talk about this alien named Brax, who is the predator. And yeah. <laughs> Brax, every six years, arrives on Earth through this portal that's in this temple in Burma. And he fights nine fighters every six years. And if he doesn't get those fights, he will wipe out all of humanity. Uh, yeah. And so, you know, these people like basically sacrifice themselves to die uh, while fighting Brax so that Brax won't kill the rest of the world. And turns out there's only eight people in the group. And Jake notices that. And Frank Grillo's like, we lost a guy <laughs> like, <Yeah>. dramatically. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, it is most Frank Grillo way. Exactly. Uh, so Cage is like talking about like they're explaining all this and Cage is like, are you puzzled? I'm puzzled. And he's doing <laughs> yeah. his like Dennis Hopper apocalypse now thing, uh, which is fun as they're walking. And so they're like, so where are we going, guys? And Frank Grillo like looks at Jake like astonished, like, dude, we're following your plan. And Jake's like, I had a plan. <laughs> Pretty sure <laughs> Just- we've established the last 45 minutes. I have no memory. exactly uh but it also seems like they don't believe him that he has no memory right that's kind that's kind of part of it and i think the reason is because of like you know what you find out he did in in a flashback later on but so they're all just like this guy's a fucking loser like i can't believe we're stuck with this jake guy now and so they're following jake's plan jake doesn't know they had a plan and then the predator shows up uh classic predator Yes, and that's basically like every like 10 minutes or so from now, like the rest of the plot of this movie, like it's going to be punctuated with me saying, and then the Predator shows. (laughs) (laughs) Which is a good recipe for a movie, by the way. That's like, you know, a solid recipe for success, if I can frequently say, and then the Predator shows up. Um, But yeah, so the Predator shows up, one guy stays behind, and he's like, it's my time. And he like goes to fight the Predator, and they have a big sword battle, and it's very cool. Yeah, that's the like metal bar guy yeah Uh-oh. metal bar guy the predator has a sword he has like the metal bar that i think is also a sword yeah. or whatever something along those lines but they're they're fighting they have this kind of you know five six minute fight scene and then like as he's you know down on the ground two more of the group show up to protect the other guy the expendable two that's right uh, as they're known the <laughs> you know the ones we that haven't met yet <laughs> yeah the ones who haven't had any dialogue that aren't frank grillo or juju <laughs> chan or anybody like that uh so these guys show up to protect the other guy the predator kills all three of them yeah rip r.i.p yeah. those guys you know exactly so now that group of nine is down to five and then you know they're camping out outside the temple or whatever it is and this is when sand shows up the uh captain of the army right. and like jake is like you know by the fire and all that stuff and sand shows up and he's alone and he's hurt and he finds jake and uh you know he's talking about his history with the predator and he's like i've been clocking that thing for 24 years or 
whatever. And, you know, he's the one who's like, it has a weakness. You know, if you, it, once you hit it, it has to take a few seconds to heal itself. And that's your time. And I was like, I think he could have figured that out without this one guy telling him. <laughs> yeah. I mean, give him some credit, you know? like <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Like, granted, he seems pretty dim. <laughs> true, true, true. You know, but I, but I think he could have figured that out. Uh, so it's a fairly obvious weakness. And then I think Sand dies like off screen or something like that uh, right after this. Succumbs to his wounds later that day. <laughs> exactly so he so he must have like followed them out there or whatever because they, they were on a big walk they were yeah. on like a you know a trek to this temple so sand who has been very badly hurt by this predator <laughs> has somehow made his way out there sits down next to jake explains hey it has a weakness and then <laughs> there's been at least one comic book transition at between <laughs> when yes. sand gets hurt yes definitely i think at least two definitely at least two <laughs> uh but and i also think it's weird that he's saying like i've been clocking this thing for 24 years because again this thing only shows up once every six years yeah uh so for five, let's say five years and 11 months this guy is not doing it like not doing anything <laughs> he's yeah, like i mean it, just uh, the trail is cold <laughs> yeah it definitely seems to like present like myra and like that whole thing with text right like sort of this like government conspiracy cover-up thing you know like sort of x-files you like they're trying to find this alien and then the other group like just fully knows <laughs> all about yes. what's going on uh but it never really like kind of merges the two and the, the like payoff there's no real payoff with like the government military trying to investigate what's happening part of the story it, it never really merges is what i'm saying yes no i think you're right but yeah this is like the, the one scene where it kind of does yeah because uh, sand shows up there but again it's completely strained that he would even be there in the first place yeah uh but yeah so sand dies and then jake's like well all right and then he gets up and goes to talk to Nicolas cage gotta go <laughs> just gotta go and he goes to like the other fire that Nicolas cage is at yeah uh and Nicolas cage is like kind of giving him like a sort of pep talk and he's like oh you know the spaceman actually likes you he's saving you for last it's a high honor in some ways and all that stuff and uh cage is telling him about his own backstory about how he was part of the group six years ago that fought the predator and uh, the predator didn't kill cage because he thought cage was crazy and it's like oh you can't kill crazy there's no honor in that like it's all about honor uh, right. And all that kind of stuff. And this is when you get the flashback to what happened before the movie started with Jake. So you get to see the portal open and the Predator emerge. And the whole group is there waiting for the Predator. And the Predator like immediately kills one guy who was right. the guy that they mentioned. Like, oh, we lost a guy. It's that guy. Mm -hmm. uh, and then Jake like just books it and runs away, <laughs> which yeah. is his main move. It seems like whenever the Predator is around is <laughs> just run mostly. Yeah. Which, to be fair, a solid strategy. <laughs> Yeah, it's sort of real. It was really funny, actually, where Cage is kind of presented as this like his character is like this kind of old, uh, you know, the wise one sort of character kind right. of thing. It's only six years ago. Like, <laughs> you <Right>. know, <laughs> yeah, but that, but he's also talking to Jake as if he's like, you know, if, if you don't uh, follow your destiny, you're going to end up like me or whatever. <laughs> but again. Six years ago. Yeah. Also, like, what happened to if he doesn't kill nine people? He doesn't. He destroys the world. Uh, right. But I mean, I guess yeah. it's kind of like it, there. The it would be no point to like it's not worth it to kill. Right. Him it was like a, it was like a mercy rule or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. However it was. But, There's uh, bylaws, is what I was saying. Exactly. <laughs> the predator bylaws are yeah. out there. He kind of gives this you know whole speech to uh, Jake, and then he's like, "Oh, there's one thing you can do though." you can kill the son of a bitch and all that kind of stuff, you know, yeah. cool action movie, martial arts dialogue. And then the predator shows up 
<laughs> and uh, this time the girls fight him. There are two girls in the group. One of them is uh, Juju Chen, who plays a char- Carmen. I think it's her character's name. Uh, and the girls fight him. And then the other one is pro- probably has a name, but I don't know it. Uh, uh, you know, <laughs> there was a big group and they only named like three characters in the actual movie. <laughs> right. So I don't think even Frank Grillo's names ever said out loud. Like, I don't think they ever actually say it. Somebody probably so. yells it once, like when he dies or whatever. Maybe. Like, no, Frank Grillo. But... <laughs> exactly uh so the girls fight the predator and uh they seem to be doing pretty okay they're they're holding their own against the predator and then uh frank grillo gets involved and he throws his knife at the predator and the predator catches the knife frank grillo's favorite predator killing weapon Uh, and uh the predator catches the knife and uses it to kill one of the girls that are that's attacking him uh the one that's not carmen and uh and then just for like an extra overkill he kicks her into like a big spiky thing which closes on her oh yeah that's right (laughs) he does a fatality he does a fatality. This is I'll just martial you. arts or Mortal Kombat. Mortal Kombat meets Predator, man. What more do you need in the movie? I don't know. It could be good. I mean, that would be nice, too. Um, <laughs> I feel you're talking me down from this movie, Mike. But I, uh, I it's it was okay. Yes. It's fun. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, yeah. So she close, kicks her into a big spiky thing and closes on her and seems like a little bit of overkill. And then uh, the Predator, I think, throws the knife at Grillo and Grillo, like, throws it, like, tosses his middle fingers up in the air as he gets killed by the predator. <laughs> you know what's really funny? So, like, it has... Um, I want to talk about the predator for a hot second here. Yes. Um, so, like, it has the predator vision. It's not It's not presented as, like, thermal vision or whatever. Like, it sees their heartbeat and stuff or whatever. Yeah. But, like, if you wear a really thin cloth, it can't see you, right? Because they keep get, they give Jake the first time they meet up, like, oh, if you cover your body in this, it won't be able to track you. And it shows that happen a couple times where, like, they put the hood yes. up on just their, like, cloak. And it can't right. see them at all. Uh, hilarious. Like, that is... It's, it's vision is based on hoods, Mike. I don't know if you know. I, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Ridiculous. Um, and then, in general, yes. like, the design of the Predator, I think the costume itself looks really cool. Um, but the effect of it healing is kind of weird. Like it sort of like releases steam and then the wounds close and like cover over with the rest of the suit, um, kind of thing. And then every now and then they let you see the face through the helmet. That was really weird. You have like the the two eyes and like it's wrinkles and stuff that you see like through the helmet, but it never opens or anything. It's just like kind of like there, right? It fully presents. I was kind of like, okay, if this movie does the thing that I think it's going to do, I'm kind of really on board. Where yeah. it was gonna like, of course, you know, metal bar guy or one of the somebody was gonna smash the helmet and it was gonna be one of them in the future or something or a human yeah. from the future. Uh nope, doesn't doesn't ever <laughs> doesn't ever pay that off that it is just a dude. <laughs> like you can t- like it's a human <laughs> shape. Uh, which is fine. Like obviously you need to be a stuntman in a suit. Like that's fine. But I thought it would pay off that humanoid face and shape that it shows the whole movie and teases that like, oh, you can kind of see it's human a little bit through the mask every now and then. Doesn't do anything with that. No, uh, no, it doesn't. Which is uh, also, also want to mention that uh, apparently the design for the alien in this movie was uh, lifted at least a little bit uh, from the lawnmower man is uh, what they said. Like wow. if you that that's taken from the IMDb trivia, so I don't know 100 percent if that's true, but that's that's thrown in there. Uh, they say the director uh, had, took that as inspiration. So I believe it. I've never yeah. seen lawnmower, lawnmower man, but uh, sure, why not? 
Yeah, we've seen Hideaway, which was from the director of Lawnmower Man. Yeah. We, we talked about that on the Goldblum podcast. That's right. And if the, if this movie is taking cues from the same level of visual effects, then I could see why we got this uh, this version of the Predator. Yeah, it all tracks. <laughs> double double Grillo Bird. We got exactly double Grillo Bird. So yeah, Grillo gets killed, and then uh, you see Tony Ja has been hiding in the trees this whole time. He had a hood, and, yeah. <laughs> and so he gets he gets the drop on the Predator, uh, and then Cage joins the fights. Cage gets in there. Does Tony Jaa die here? Because I, I feel like Tony Jaa disappears. And uh, no, there must, I think, be, there I think must be some kind of death scene for him, right? I think it's Jake and Tony Jaa are the last two after Cage. But I don't remember. Well, Carmen's Unless- alive, too. Carmen's still around. Uh, and yeah. she's, like, wounded, right? Because she's there in the last end of the movie. And the end of the movie is, like, it's Jake and Carmen and Tex, Tex. Eddie Steeples, right? Yeah. And it's, like, those three. And, like, the old couple returns right. uh, from, the be- <laughs> from the beginning of the movie. But Tony Jaa, nowhere to be seen. Uh, and I'm completely blanking on if we ever saw that character die. I'm going to guess yes, but I can't tell you for sure. <laughs> I also think this movie could totally have forgotten to include a death scene or a scene where that character leaves. <laughs> You're right. There is a precedent already for people to just vanish from the movie. So I wouldn't exactly. be surprised. Yeah. Um, but Tony Jaa is in the trees and then Cage joins the fight and Cage stabs the predator and they get into like a big fight scene. And again, Stunt double for Cage, like yeah. long shots uh, all the time. Uh, but then the Predator ends up killing Cage. And that was a he, cool sword fight, though. Yeah, it was a cool sword fight. A very cool, like, you know, and there's a lot of great choreography throughout this movie. Yeah. Uh, so there's that. But and then uh, Cage breaks Cage's back like Bane and Batman in the Dark Knight yeah. Rises, uh, which is pretty cool. And then he slices Cage's throat and Cage finally dies. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, I think that still brings us to about like half of the Cage movies we've talked about for this mini season. I'm pretty sure Cage dies. In. Yeah. I think you're something right. along those lines or almost half uh, like a score to settle. And uh, what was running the other one with, running with the devil for sure Running with the devil? Yeah, th- those two for sure. Color out of space, right? Yep, he color died. Of space. He, his head explodes. Head explodes in that one. Yep, for sure. <laughs> uh, yeah, we I, I thought we were taking Italian on this. And I guess we weren't no, we I, were for Goldblum because it's only been like five so far. Yes, exactly. Um, for, for Cage, that number is a lot higher. <laughs> Grand Isle. Grand Isle. Grand, Grand Isle, Isle y'all. Grand, you're in Grand gonna die. Um, <laughs> yeah, in Colorado Space. So I guess, you know, this four, would be the fifth one in yeah, like five ten movies. Six or, or whatever. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. <laughs> um, there you go. So Cage dies, and then comic book panel, Memorial. Yeah. And uh, they're at the memorial for Cage's character. They're in the temple, and uh, the old couple is there. And, uh, you know, Carmen, it's Carmen and Jake, and Carmen's been wounded. Um, and they're at the memorial, and they're like paying tribute to Nicolas Cage. And then Carmen's like, You don't know, do you? He was your father. Yeah. <laughs> and Good old at that point, reverse score to settle. <laughs> at, that, at that point, yeah, because the score to settle, the twist was that. Or this, the twist of the score to settle was that his son was dead the whole time. Yeah, yeah. And in this one, the twist that his father was alive the whole time. So, yeah. yes, yeah, you're right. Reverse score to settle, <laughs> actually, Mike. Uh, yeah, Nicolas Cage is the main character's father, and the main character's like, huh. And they show, like, a flashback to, like, Nicolas yeah. Cage, like, training a kid. <laughs> yeah, just a little kid punching his hands. Punching yes, Cage's exactly. Hands. And that's the only thing they show. There's not, like, a montage of, like, them, like, training or being like father and son or anything it's like one thing i was like oh quick memory flash well what do you know about that and huh. you know like as, as soon as she said that like as you like oh he was your father i like, threw my hands up in the air i was like yeah sure why not like <laughs> <laughs> at this point why what else who cares <laughs> uh just an insane an insane twist that adds nothing to the movie <laughs> like 
Absolutely nothing. And I've seen a lot of insane twists recently, Mike. I've been watching all the Saw movies. Mm, true. Uh, and so talk about insane twists that don't add a lot to the movies. Uh, although those movies, they actually do tend to like, because those movies are like entirely built on their insane twists that like create larger crazy continuity issues that have to be addressed in future movies. Yeah, they kind of... Uh acknowledge them yes exactly like they're, they're all built upon that this movie introduces that cage is his father and then that doesn't matter like they never <laughs> mention it again after this scene <laughs> perfect um but yeah so cage was jake's father okay uh and then jake and carmen kiss so okay like they had yeah I, I mean she hugged him earlier when he first showed up so i guess they had some kind of romantic chemistry <laughs> yeah there's some implication that they were a couple before this exactly yeah did, did his memory ever like fully come back or is he just being told that things happened and he's like okay <laughs> who, who gives a shit Mike? <laughs> yeah <laughs> fair enough uh so jake and carmen kiss and then when they do tex shows up good old hey. darnell from my name is earl <laughs> he's he's there don't know why myra wasn't with him <laughs> yeah we'll never know yeah very weird but uh yeah he shows up and gets to do more of his like translator bit uh the old couple from the beginning are tending to carmen's wound and you know they're saying things like okay she shouldn't be moving at all she has to lay perfectly still and tex is like uh she's saying that she can get up and about and start drinking again like, <laughs> she, should, she should exercise <laughs> yeah <laughs> which is pretty funny. yeah pretty funny pretty funny stuff uh so yeah tex is there and the old couple from the beginning and then the predator shows up hey right on uh, time yeah, kicks the door down, and the old lady is firing at it with the shotgun, which is pretty cool. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, that was pretty fun. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then you get the big fight between Jake and the Predator. Uh, and so you have the you know elaborate you know fight choreography, and it looks like Jake's going to lose this fight. You know, he, it looks like yeah. he's not going to win this thing. But then it turns out fire blinds the Predator because he has the heat vision thing going on. Which isn't what the movie has told us. Yeah. <laughs> it's been seeing their pulse the whole time. Yes. And then, uh, oh no, fire! <laughs> yes, uh, they're you know in front of like an open flame, and you know the, like Jake is behind it, and the predator's like his whole vision is obscured, and he's like, oh, what? And so Jake takes advantage and like you know gets him in a headlock or whatever, uh, and you know, and then I think there's a flashback to Captain Sand being like, he has one weakness. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> if you hurt it, it takes a few seconds for it to heal itself, and that's your window. <laughs> yep. Like just just in case you forgot that little detail. <laughs> Uh, and so, yeah, this big fight. And uh, so Carmen shows up from like one side of the room and she shoots it with her wrist arrows. Yeah. And then as, as it's healing, Tex shows up from the other side of the room and he's like, Jake. And he throws a grenade. And then Jake like jumps up on the Predator, like pulls the pin on the grenade, stuffs it in the Predator's like hole that was there the from the wrist arrows. And then uh, so it gets like in its body before it fully heals. And then he kicks it into the portal and the Predator explodes. Yeah. And the portal closes that as it explodes, implying that it's destroyed. But I don't that's sure, I guess. But uh, you never know. Maybe there's a sequel in the works. Ooh. Mike, who knows? I mean, because they do they do say like, ah, like the old lady's like, wow, good job. You have ended this predator's reign for 2000 years or whatever. Like, yeah, <laughs> something something along those lines. And then Tex immediately afterwards, like looks at the portal. It's like, all right, see you in six years. Uh, yep. <laughs> so like, who's who's right here? I'm guessing the old lady because she actually knows what she's talking about. Yeah, she seems pretty involved. Yes, exactly. Whereas Tex is just this dude who showed up and threw a grenade yeah. uh, <laughs> instrumental into the survival of the universe, uh, yep. for sure. Um, but then, yeah, that's the end of the movie. Roll credits on, on jujitsu. What a wild movie. Yeah, a weird one for sure. And uh, like I said, you know, I, I feel like we 
it had a lot of plot in that first half hour, like in the Wikipedia page. Like there's like four paragraphs of plot, and then the last half hour is just like, and then the predator keeps showing up, and there's a bunch of fight scenes, and all right, they blow it up with a grenade. All right, here we go. Yeah. <laughs> and it kind of feels like that's how we ran through this in our in our scene by scene thing, because that's kind of how the movie plays out. That's the flow of the movie. Yeah, yeah, and it's not, like it starts really uh, with a big ask from the lead actor um, has to do a lot of dramatic acting in the beginning. Uh, and it kind of like, Oh no, sets the tone. Yeah. Um, Fall falls a little flat, but I think he is a solid physical presence in the movie. I think he's really fun yeah. as a martial artist. And I think all, I think all the fight scenes in the movie make it worth watching. I think it's very cool. Uh, it sounds like they didn't work for you as much, uh, mostly because of the sound editing. Yeah. Like literally if it was different sound editing, this movie would be fun um, <laughs> for me personally. <laughs> But it's just that there's no impact to any of the punches or hits or whatever. Uh, yeah. And the whole movie is that. So it was kind of like, what's the point, you know? Yeah. And on the other hand, it's also Predator. Fair, uh, yeah. So, fair. <laughs> like anything with the Predator in it, it can't be that bad. I mean, okay, there was the Predator. But still. <laughs> and okay, I guess there was Predator too. But still. <laughs> but still, the first Predator, you know? Yeah, the first Predator rules. First Predator rules. And I, was, I saw Predator 2 for the first time in like a double feature with the original Predator and like 35 millimeter at the Alamo Draft House. Uh, and that was like the ideal circumstance to watch Predator 2. So I had like a soft spot in my heart for that one. Yeah. Uh, and Predators is kind of fun. I like that one. Adrian Brody popping yeah. up in there. Lawrence Fishburne. So, yeah, Lawrence Fishburne also. Friend of the yeah. show, Lawrence Fishburne. That's right. Uh, and then there was the Predator, the Shane Black one, which was taken away by the studio. And I think if they had let like Shane Black like make a full Shane Black Predator movie, could have been a lot better. But yeah, it is what it is. This is probably like the third best Predator movie. <laughs> I'm glad we got a little mini Let's Rank Predator in there. Exactly. So exactly. If we ever do an actual Let's Rank of the Predator series, we got to include Jiu-Jitsu in there somewhere. <laughs> it is an honorary Predator movie. I mean. <laughs> From this point forward. All right. Let's get into some letterbox reviews for jujitsu, Mike, starting right now. Here's a three and a half star review from Matt Lynch, which reads rogues gallery of DTV players headlined by cage doing Yoda meets Hopper in apocalypse. Now loaded with cheap VFX and rubber suit shenanigans peppered with inventive camera work and sturdy choreography predator divided by power Rangers plus mortal Kombat. Go fuck yourself. If you can't have a good time. here. <laughs> I guess I'll fuck myself. I guess so. <laughs> Uh, here's one more in line with your, uh, your views in the movie, Mike. Here's a 0.5 star review Wow, from Cam, which reads, the good news is today's modern tech has made it possible for just about anybody to make a movie. The bad news is today's modern tech has made it possible for just about anybody to make a movie. I wish I could have been there the night Nicolas Cage and Bruce Willis made their drunken bar bet to see who could be in the worst movie ever made. <laughs> Incredible. Here's a, a two star review from Tau A, which reads, suffers from a real bad case of shitty director syndrome because this would have been somewhat of a DTV action classic if it was directed by literally anyone else. Though some of it is so bad, it borderlines experimental. That POV sequence is the most avant-garde shit I have ever seen in an action movie, perhaps even the closest the cinema has come to emulating what an authentic, out-of-body experience must feel like. The moment where Alan Moussi jumps out of his own POV shot and starts beating ass... <laughs> <laughs> damn near gave me an existential crisis and made me question the very plane of existence that we as homo sapiens collectively occupy powerful stuff wow i'm glad uh, it connected yes reading into that a lot i think but uh here's a two-star review from cinema strikes which reads 
This Predator meets Mortal Kombat, low-budget cheese should have been so much more fun than it is. Plenty of ringers in the cast, like Nick Cage, Tony Jaa, Rick Yoon, Frank Grillo, and Eddie Steeples, but unfortunately, the main weight has to be shouldered by a cipher. Literally, the character has no memory. Played by the extremely stiff Alain Moussi, who goes through the whole movie without having a single discernible facial expression. (laughs) Beyond Skyline does this kind of thing so much better. Also... The CGI blood looks fucking terrible as always. Jesus fucking Christ, people pay for some squibs. <laughs> I can't tell if they're being cheap or just lazy, but it's very noticeable. Interesting choice, though, to use CGI to imitate that impact effect you get in old kung fu movies where they use white powder to emphasize the hit. Didn't really work, but points for trying. <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that. There's definitely in that scene, at least with Tony Jaa, when he breaks him out. Yeah, uh, people definitely covered in dust. And when they get hit. It's a CGI puff. It's like the weirdest <laughs> fucking thing. Anyway. Yes. Yeah. Very strange. All right. Here's the last one. A two star review from JJ Rabbit. And I threw this one in there because uh, I kind of miss our old friend, the poetic critic. Yeah. Uh, and this and this review is in the form of a poem. So I figured I'd throw that one out there. I believe it's a haiku. Uh, no, it's not a haiku. This is a five star a five line poem. I don't know what it's called, but it's it's a poem. It's a poem. Uh, <laughs> anyway, this is by JJ Rabbit. Hopefully we'll see more from the poetic critic once we get back into our gold boom season. I'm sure. A predator goes in the hunt as jujitsu fighters wait at the front. The action around sped up and slowed down is only worth it for some of the stunts. Hey, that's pretty good. Yeah, that was pretty good. That's a limerick, by the way. Ah, uh, throwing that out there. Uh, but that is a pretty good one. Pretty solid right there. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, and I, I like that pretty much all of these reviews are like, this is Predator. This is, this is just Predator. Yeah. <laughs> Multiple of them mentioned Predator and Mortal Kombat also. like It's just it's it's so nakedly a Predator knockoff. It's yeah. not even trying to not be. Uh, and I think there's something admirable about that in some way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It is interesting too. Now I'm just now thinking about this, that we went from color out of space was February, 2020, right? Yeah. And then this is November, 2020. That's a pretty significant gap as far as cage release <laughs> schedules sure. go. Yeah. And I mean, I think partially due to the pandemic is the reason for that. I think like Willie's Wonderland was supposed to be out in 2020 originally. And yeah. a couple of a couple of his other movies like Pig, I think, was supposed to be out and all that kind of stuff. So they, there was, you know, plans to have these movies, you know, the usual eight cage movies a year. <laughs> right. uh, and instead, we didn't get that. We got three in 2020 and we've covered two of them so far. Next week, we'll be talking about the last one. And it's one that I'm pretty excited to get into, Mike. But, but before we talk about that. Where can we find you online this week, Mike? You can find me at MD Film Blog on Twitter and Letterboxd. And if you'd like to uh, donate to support the show to fund all of the uh, VOD rentals we have to do for Nicolas Cage movies, uh, you could do that at our Kofi page, which is Kofi.com slash Mike and Mike Pods, plural, because we have more than one podcast. Exactly. And uh, by the way, Jiu-Jitsu, you don't have to do a VOD rental if you have Netflix. It's available True. there. Yeah. Uh, so definitely worth uh, checking that out there. Or in Mike, Mike D's case, it wouldn't be worth checking out there. But I think it's fun. Uh, <laughs> you know, get a couple of beers and watch the fight scenes. I think they're pretty dope. Uh, anyway, you can find me online at M Smith Film Blog on Twitter, Mike Smith Film and Letterboxd, Radio Mike Sandwich on Instagram. Thanks so much for listening to The Complete Works. Don't forget to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts or any other podcast app. If you want to contact us, hit us up at Jeff Goldblum, Complete Works at gmail.com. Uh, and you can find the rest of our podcast on Rapture Press alongside the Totally Original Geek News Podcast, a podcast about comic books and movie news and all that nerdy stuff. And follow this podcast on Twitter at GoldbloomPod. Our theme song was created by Kyle Cullen, who you can reach for your own podcast themes at Kyle's Podcast Themes at gmail.com. And our logo was designed by Jacob Honeycutt or at Jacob Honey on Twitter, who watched one of the movies that you mentioned today with you. Warriors. Today, Mike. Warriors. The Warriors. He didn't watch Jiu Jitsu with you? No. No. I didn't <laughs> no make anybody watch, watch me. <laughs> I. 
I couldn't force this upon anybody, uh, yeah. is what you're saying. <laughs> Basically, I literally put it. <laughs> okay, nobody wanted. To, I put in the Discord. Hey, gonna watch a potentially really awful Nicolas Cage movie. Uh, if anybody's around, nobody responded. <laughs> yeah, no takers. No takers <laughs> to that hard sell. I mean, yeah. come on. Uh, after Snyder Cut, <laughs> nobody trusts me. <laughs> Fair enough. You're gonna have to rebuild that after a while. Yeah. Uh, anyway, maybe uh, next we week. also want to maybe next week. You never know. Uh, we want to thank our social media advisor Danielle Clark as well. That's what I was trying to get out there. Uh, now join us on the next Complete Works. We're talking our 100th Nicolas Cage project. It's episode 100 of the Nicolas Cage season, mm. and. It just so happens to be the return of a little something called Crudescast. Hashtag Crudescast. No better thing to do for episode 100. Uh, it, I mean, the stars just really aligned on this one. I'm so Truly. excited. Crudescast is back. We're talking about The Crudes, A New Age, the uh, long-delayed sequel to the DreamWorks animated movie The Crudes. They've been talking about doing The Crudes 2 for so long that I didn't think they were going to do it. You know, like, I, yeah. <laughs> like it's weird, like, because they were talking about this, you know, pretty quickly after The Crudes came out. I think they wanted to make it happen. There was, like, a Netflix animated series which ran for four right. years or something like that uh and you know every year like dreamworks just kept pushing back the crudes because of whatever other release dates they had to shuffle around and the crudes really getting the brunt of things and then they got, they got released to theaters in the midst of a pandemic which is a shame i genuinely was like man i was going through my amc app and seeing if like there were any empty theaters that were showing the crudes just so i can be like oh, I'll, I'll go see the crudes. yeah i'll see it by myself in a theater yeah I could see it by myself. Unfortunately, that didn't happen. So I'm finally excited to uh, finally check it out. Uh, and now it's available on video on demand for like $7. I think it's not the $20 uh, price tag anymore. So uh, yeah, probably worth uh, checking out. The Croods 2, it's a real thing. Uh, so looking forward to that next week. And uh, this week, I'm like, I might go to the movies. We're talking to our buddy Vin Craig about his new movie, Shoplifters of the World, which is about the night the, uh, the Smiths broke up. And uh, Vin Craig appears in like two scenes in that movie and uh, actually has some lines of dialogue, which is pretty yeah. cool. He says some stuff that's really exciting. I'm, I'm, I'm uh, excited to talk to him about it. Yes, we'll get all kinds of fun behind the scenes stories on Shoplifters of the World. Really peel back the curtain uh, on that movie and the whole process in general. I'm actually also watching uh, Girls 5 Eva on Peacock. Oh, yeah. Uh, which just premiered its season a couple of days ago. And we're almost done with it. It's only eight episodes. And uh, Vin is in the finale. And I think by the time we record the episode that we have with Vin, I will have watched the whole thing, so we'll be able to talk about that a little bit, too. Hell yeah. <laughs> nice. Uh, all right, so yeah, Crude's cast next week. Very exciting. Thanks so much for listening, guys, and thanks for getting in the cage. 